the thing that makes courses different from just like a traditional like merch line that a YouTuber might introduce or yeah, like brand partnerships or affiliate partnerships is that you're really able to help your audience get to some type of outcome and help them solve a problem. And I think for the long term of building a business, for building your audience and your community, I don't know any other way that you can provide such a meaningful impact on people's lives outside of actually directly sharing your knowledge and helping them get to that that end part. Hey everyone, it's Haley from Team Teachable. Today is a special episode of Everything is Teachable. Not only is it the last episode of season three, I'm lucky enough to bring two of my teammates on the podcast as my guests. Today, I'm talking to Jessica Tor and Parth Shaw, the leads of Teachable's new education product. In today's episode, we'll get the inside info on what you can expect to see from our new product, why online courses continue to be a major player in the creator economy, tips for marketing your online course, and more. Let's say hello to Jess and Parth. Welcome to Everything is Teachable, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to learn how everyday creators have transformed their skills and passions into online courses and businesses. Jessica Tor is an award-winning brand strategist that has helped thousands of entrepreneurs and startups expand their reach and revenue online. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Incorporated, The Huffington Post, the ABC Television Network, and in 2019 was awarded both a Telly and a Stevie Award for her work. Jess is currently co-leading creator launch initiatives at Teachable. Parth Shah is co-leading the new education product at Teachable and brings a background of teaching and curriculum design to the table. He started his career as a high school teacher where he taught math in Oakland, California and rural Tanzania. He then moved into online education where he built courses for millions of learners at Code Academy and GitHub. Before coming to Teachable, Parth most recently led program design at Lambda School where he built out their experiential learning program and job preparedness program. In this role, Parth is excited to make quality courses that students will love. Okay. Hello, Jess and Parth. How are you both doing today? Doing good. I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) Uh, It's like my third podcast I've recorded at this point, so I'm still very new to the game. So I'm super excited. Awesome. That makes me really happy that you can add this to the list now. This is for everyone listening. This is a special episode. Wildly enough, it is the last episode of season three already. And I am pleased to have two of my amazing colleagues, Jessica Tor and Parth Shah, on with me today. Before we kind of jump into all the juiciness of this episode, I'd love for you both to kind of give an overview of what you both do at Teachable. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm co-leading the, the new education product with Jess. So a bit of like where my focus is, like I have this background in like teaching and curriculum design. I used to be a high school teacher. And then I led some like program design at Lambda School and some other like CS education companies. Uh, so we'll be working with a lot of creators to really just help them build more content and sell to their audience, whether that be like courses or other digital products. So I'm excited personally to take my expertise in like curriculum and program design and attach that to these amazing courses that creators are going to produce. Amazing. And I'm Jess. First of all, I just want to give a big shout out to you, Haley, for doing this entire season three for longtime listeners who've probably listened and saw that we had a change of host. And I just like love everything you're doing. And I'm obsessed with this podcast. So very happy oh, <laughs> to be in the last episode. Jess. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm Jess. I started off with Teachable. Um, I was leading partnerships. I've been here for five years since we were 15 kids in a WeWork. And um, (laughs) I'm really, really excited to be working with Parth and to be working on this education product just because really 
from my background in marketing and everything that we've done with our launches and campaigns, it's really exciting to be able to work with creators directly to see like how can we amplify launches, not just from a financial side, but also student completion engagement, just to create the best courses that we can. Amazing. Thank you both so much for the introductions. And Okay, so the education product, this is a new venture at Teachable. So I really want to talk about this a little bit more. So what sparked the idea behind this product and why is this going to be such an important aspect of the business? So with the education product, I mean, it's a very vague term to kind of encompass a lot of the initiatives that we have to support creators. But one of the things that we saw with Teachable and our creators is that we would speak to so many people that are very passionate about a topic. They've built a community around a certain thing and they've wanted to create courses, but there's been just a few factors that have held them back, whether it's like bandwidth, just not having the time to dedicate to building it, financial, just like the investment that sometimes it takes to create a course, or just not knowing how to launch or market. And so we really wanted to see like, well, we're the platform. We have access to all this information and this background to create successful courses. What if we're able to do that for creators um, and to provide them with that, which is also why we're so, so lucky to have Parth, who is like curriculum design is his specialty, this is zone of genius, which is one of like the hardest parts for people. Yeah, it was really interesting because I feel like ed tech has like for the first like maybe like 10 years of ed tech, it's been so product and platform focused. Um, and then we're starting to see this shift now towards more service oriented um, ed tech. And I noticed it's like, you know, like in previous work where it's like, okay, it's not just about like the product and scaling a product to many users. It's like, okay, how can we actually help the users create something successful? And we're going back to this, you know, pretty like old back in the day, like consulting, um, traditional, like, let me help you like one-on-one -on -one services that really makes you stand out. So it's really exciting to like work with creators one-on-one -on -one super directly and provide that very high touch service that traditionally doesn't always exist in tech. Cause it's always, okay, how do we scale as quickly as possible? We're taking a little step back from that right now and thinking about, okay, what's the best service we can provide? Gotcha. So First of all, so exciting. I know that everyone at the, on the team was so, so happy to hear about this when it was all coming to fruition. And it's just so awesome to see both of you working so hard to make everything happen. I think before we start talking more about what you both will be doing to really provide that white glove service to creators, I think it, it'll be good for us to kind of start at the basics here of why do you think that online courses are such a necessary stream of income for creators, especially ones with large social media followings or even large emails, email lists. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't know, you all saw that like New York Times or Post article where it's like creators are being burnt out right now. And it's right. so much work to grow that audience, maintain that audience, consistently produce content. And when they're on like these platforms and doing brand partnerships, they're not really getting a significant portion of like the revenue or like money from that. It's also like brand partnerships isn't something they own. It's not something like they're creating, but it's a thing they're making money off of. One, we wanted to find a way to, you know, really, how can we create a sustainable source of income for creators? And courses are honestly one of the best way to do that. It's something the creator owns. It's something that's like all about them and they're selling directly to their audience. And it's like something that's traditionally everlasting. Uh, if it's a traditional MOOC, uh, where it's like a massive open online course that can just last forever. If it's a CBC, they can like run multiple cohorts of CBC being a cohort based course. Um, so it's a very stable source of income that doesn't where people don't burn out as easily versus other ways creators used to make income. So that's what makes me really excited for creators to use courses as a huge source of income. 
Yeah. And I also think that there's just this, like we've seen a wave in creators being able to connect with their audience and their community in a much more personal way and really helping them to get outcomes and to get transformations. But I think the the thing that makes courses different from just like a traditional like merch line that a YouTuber might introduce or yeah, like brand partnerships or affiliate partnerships is that you're really able to help your audience get to some type of outcome and help them solve a problem. And I think for the long term of building a business, for building your audience and your community, I don't know any other way that you can provide such a meaningful impact on people's lives outside of actually directly sharing your knowledge and helping them get to that that end part. Yeah. And so you both were talking about how creators, especially ones with really large scale audiences, can experience a lot of burnout, can experience just a lot of a large to-do list that they may not really feel like dealing with. So what are some of the ways that this product is going to help solve some of those issues for them? Yeah. One, it's like, okay, if we take a traditional influencer source of income, right? It's like where it's like advertising and brand partnerships, they're consistently having to produce creative content, like on a pretty much daily basis, a lot of times, multiple times a day. With the course, they can really take a couple weeks where we like really develop it together and that can generate like as much income, if not more than all the work they were putting in before. So we've like, what we're hoping to see is like, okay, really these influencers and creators who are have, putting so many hours into the day, I don't think people realize how much true work it is to become an influencer and to maintain that audience can do a little less work, uh, connect with their audience a bit more and create something they're really proud of as well as like keeping that stable income flow in. And I think like on the note of burnout, and I think this applies to anyone that is listening, whether you, you know, have a huge audience or you're just starting out is that one of the things that obviously like with our work, we're doing all of the heavy lifting. So the creator can take a step back and basically just say like, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. And then we execute everything. But one of the things that people miss with burnout is that often one of the symptoms is like feeling lazy and unmotivated. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up specifically because I think people are very hard on themselves. We've spoken to a lot of creators who say like, I just need to like get more driven and get more motivated. I need to like get my routine and add more stuff to my list and get all this stuff done, but not realizing that they are completely burnt out. And this like quote unquote laziness or lack of motivation is just a manifestation of that. And one of the best things to do is not to push yourself, but is to take a step back and breathe. And whether that is taking a break or outsourcing or finding people to help you kind of create things. But it's just, it's something that gets overlooked and then people just feel like they need to do more when it's the complete, complete opposite um, to get over it. Thank you for, I could talk about this all day. I think that is so important. And I think something that people need to realize, which is easier said than done, is that burnout is absolutely not laziness, like you said, and actually being able to delegate and to hand things off to other experts that can be there to help you is like a sign of leadership. You know, that's something that I'm sure we've all had to deal with at some point in our careers of like maybe having some trouble letting go and delegating, but yeah. it's it's a good thing. <laughs> Isn't it so funny how I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned was that you don't get a trophy or you don't get rewarded more for doing everything. It's like right. just because you can do everything, it doesn't mean that you should. You know, there's yep. not, you don't get brownie points because you did everything started to finish. Exactly. I just really appreciate you bringing that point up. I think that it is, it is so important for everyone to know that because, hey, running, running your own business, 
can be really difficult. And it's really easy to, for entrepreneurs in particular to experience burnout pretty quickly. So thank you for bringing that point up. So a lot of what your team will be really working on is, like you said earlier, essentially like a lot of white glove service. So one of which is planning. And I think that's a really interesting topic to talk about um, of kind of like the key things that creators should really map out before building their first course. Like what are some key things that they should know before getting started? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you should see our um, our long project management task list of everything that needs to be done. But I say that not to be like, that it's intimidating, but more so it's helpful to jot down every little task, even if it's like to send an email or to make a note to remind myself to do something to list it out. But so the very first thing I would say is, um, and this is something that we tell all of the creators that we work with is we need to validate your ideas upfront, not validate your course topic that comes later, you know, we'll, we'll see like what that will become. But I think seeing like what areas are your audience actually interested in? Um, and we did this actually with a creator recently. And it's very interesting to see the topics or the pain points that your audience are experiencing, their location. That's another one. Know where your audience is based. And also like, what are the things that they're trying to do? So, you know, when we have creators reach out to their audience, we have a type form with an open-ended response where people can just share in their own words what it is that they're struggling with, what it would mean to be able to get to that outcome. And it's just such incredible insight for you to even use within your how you're communicating the course value on your sales page and your emails and in the course itself. Yeah. And then from a curriculum side, right, it's like, I think a lot of people like from outside perspective might just think, oh, a creator is getting in front of a camera, like reading a script. There's a lot that goes into that beforehand. Like Jess said, like first is audience validation. Then once we actually figure out what's your audience wants, like I sit down with the creator, like we map out like all the learning objectives that would fit with the student transformation that their audience wants to see. Then from a learning objective, we work backwards. If it's a cohort based course, we develop like lesson plans for the for the creator to deliver live and if it's an asynchronous MOOC then we like work out like scripts or like like what what videos would make sense to put in a course as well as assignments as well as like okay how do we build a community around this course so that students can interact with one another and share their transformation so there's so much that goes into a course that we like to plan out almost like really like everything beforehand so when it's actual like launch and delivery time it's almost like I want to say like the robotic but it's like it's just everything's just already programmed we know exactly how to deliver it. And then as far as the the marketing and sales, like there's like a few different pillars, of course, but the marketing, and I know that this is probably something that is discussed on every episode at some point, but oh, like yeah. when, <laughs> when you're selling your course, the, the mistake that a lot of people make is they think that their course launch is the week when the cart opens and closes. And they're so focused on that week of this is when I'm selling. But really, if you're starting to sell when the cart opens, it's too late. What needs to happen is you need to spend at least like a few weeks, a month to really start to build buzz and generate a demand for what your course topic is going to be. Because what's interesting with when you do surveys is that a lot of people know what their pain points are. A lot of people know what they're struggling with. They don't know how to describe what the answer would be. And so it's your job to talk to your audience to say like, hey, if you're dealing with X, Y, and Z, here are some things that have helped me and here are some things that I've learned and here are some things to consider. So when you then transition into, hey, and by the way, I have a course on this topic, your audience already understands, you know, like, oh, this is a no-brainer for me or this is exactly what would help me with those 
those pain points. Uh, yes, I I really like hearing kind of the first steps and all the building blocks that go into making a beautiful course happen. Because you, of course, everyone always sees the finished product, but you don't see all the work that goes into it before. And it's yeah. just really interesting to see how it's all mapped out. But Jess, you mentioned marketing. And I know that creators tend to experience quite a few pain points around marketing their online courses, which is also something that you will be helping with, with the education product, which is really exciting. But what would you say, based off of both of your experiences, what's one step a course creator can take to make the process of marketing their course a little bit easier? I think a lot of people have issues, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, of kind of selling themselves Mm -hmm. and just kind of getting into that sales mode. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear from both of you on this. Yeah. So as far as the the marketing, I'm going to say less is more, which if you were to look at our marketing plans and frameworks, you'd be like, really? Less is more? Um, <laughs> but what I mean is that you need to, whenever you're listening to tips from people or strategies or podcasts, even where people are sharing how to launch their your course, you need to have this filter of where is this person or where was this person when they implemented this strategy? And I say this because people are saying to, you know, like use retargeting with Facebook ads and do a webinar and do like all of these different segmentations of your email list. And those things work, but it also doesn't mean that you necessarily need to do them if you're just starting out. So I think the first thing is just understanding like what are the basics? What are the, like, what is the minimum? Like, what are the things that you need to do at the very minimum? So one is validating your topic. Two is building an audience and a community around that so they already know, they like, they trust you. Three, generating a demand and buzz that you're going to be launching a product, giving value up front before expecting them to pay for anything. And then finally, you can announce that you're launching your course. And then the fifth step that most people miss is you need to do debrief. So we do this for at Teachable, all of our campaign launches, but you need to do a retro to see what worked, what didn't, and what can I improve? And then you can do another launch, rinse and repeat and expand it from there. But yeah, start small because you know you could do all of these different shiny objects and all the different strategies, but it doesn't mean that one, you'll be able to implement them correctly. It'll be expensive or two, you're just maybe not at that stage of business where they'll be the most impactful. Yeah. And I think people really overestimate the size of audience they need to launch a great course. I've seen multiple like courses where it's like creators with like maybe like a couple thousand followers, but truly engaged fans who are willing mm-hmm. to pay a lot of money to, to like hear and learn from this expert. Like that's really like all you need. Um, you don't need to be in the millions of followers range to launch a great product. You need like engaged followers, which like Jess said, you do that through really building a community, building a community of your followers, getting them learning and listening to each other and wanting more. And when they want more, that's when you bring your course in. And you'll see that you'll have a much higher conversion rate versus just building, I don't want to say like a random following of like hundreds of thousands, millions of people and just launching without building that community first. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because that statement reminds me of Legion's really great article, 100 True Fans, yes. yeah. about we how to make... Yeah. Oh, I love it. Great mind. recommend. Yes. Read it. Yes, yes. And, you know, one of the major lines to make a living as a creator, you only need a hundred two fans, not a thousand. And I think that like takes the barrier down so much of, like you said, you don't need 
hundreds of thousands of followers to have a really successful course. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you'd be surprised like with, you know, some of the conversion rates that we see, the highest converting courses are often people with smaller audiences, but they really honed in on my audience are going to come to me for this specific transformation or this specific outcome. And so whenever they launch a course, they're like, oh, this is the person I go to for that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing. And kind of in this same vein, what are some ways that you've both noticed that social media in general, depending, you know, again, doesn't matter, you know, how large their audience is. What are some ways that social media in particular has made an impact on people's businesses? I think the ways you can reach out, right? Like there's so many new mediums now, like especially with like TikTok and like, like it used to be like just put up a YouTube video or send an email out or put a Facebook post. But now it's like, there's so many different ways to interact with an audience like Substack, creating newsletters, creating blogs, like blogs are really making a comeback back from like Tumblr days um, with like Substack and Medium posts, which I've noticed, which is really, really cool. People are like more into like reading long form and engaging with their creator. But there's just so many ways to connect with your audience, which is so interesting because when there's like there's a people, there's a couple of people like the education world and I'm like super fans of um, and like, yeah, I'm subscribed to their newsletter. I follow them on Instagram and there's just so many ways I'm achieving information from them that just make it so interesting. I also, I'm going to take a completely different Uh take on this too, which is that I think with social media platforms now kind of a part of our regular news cycle, I also think it both has like, to your point, has amplified the way that people can reach out to their audience and connect with them. I also think it's made them even more aware of the risk of relying on third-party platforms. And I mean, we see this depending on when this goes out. Obviously, people's YouTube accounts, a very big account, uh, H3H3, they had a Mm. strike against their channel. Um, If they had a third strike, their channel would be completely removed. Mm -hmm. Using OnlyFans as an example of creators were using that platform with an expectation of delivering a type of content. They thought that their business was in risk and they had no other backup option. And I think with social media, it's, it's so valuable. We should be utilizing it, but we should not be relying on it. And we should be having some type of, whether it's your email list. I mean, even if you look at the uh, like average open rates that people are seeing from SMS, like communities and texting is incredible. But just know that you have another way and a direct way to contact your audience should anything ever happen or change. Definitely. That's a really, really good point. Social media should not be the end-all be-all for sure. It should just be another channel for you to connect with your audience. But that's a really good point because there have been so many situations I've seen other creators and their TikTok account gets deleted out of nowhere. Or like you said, their YouTube channel gets flagged. And then what do they have after that if that's the only thing that they were relying on? So important note there. Even I would add to, you know, people might be listening to this and they're like, oh, well, like, you know, I'm not going to do anything crazy to get banned off of YouTube. But even the algorithm change. Look at Instagram. Look at, you know, you're applying these strategies, you're posting regularly. And all of a sudden Instagram is like, thank you so much. We love that you're on the platform. We now want you to pay a little bit more. Okay. It's still (laughs) the same thing. Just pay a little bit more, which isn't, you know, an option for everyone. And then they're like, okay, we think that our vision for the business is actually going to be more shopping. So we want to promote products. And if that is not something that you do, you know, you're reliant on these algorithms to show your content to your audience. So, you know, you don't have to be this huge creator or this controversial creator for this to um, to impact you. Yeah. 
Yeah, you should you should have a way to very directly engage with your audience without like some third party that's like that's massively in between. Like like yeah, like hosting live workshops, having webinars, like yeah, directly emailing, right? Like you need a way to very directly connect connect with the community. So you're not yeah, you're not relying on Instagram to be the one that makes you rich. <laughs> All your millions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. That 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 was super valuable. I think that's really important for people to know. And kind of in the same wheelhouse, because I think that maybe, you know, we're talking about, oh, well, you have to be on different platforms, but it's also important to know you don't have to be on every single channel ever. You don't have to have all of the social media platforms. You don't have to have a newsletter. Like how would you, what kind of advice would you give to creators who are kind of like, I don't even know what where I should be. So yeah, I would say like one, figure out what you're passionate about. Like what, what is the thing that's like your niche, right? It's like what, what makes you, you, and then somehow build a community around that. And there are so many ways like to do that. Like you, so like, what's the best way to do it for you, for you is like, if you, if you're like, yeah, if you're someone who's like really into travel and fashion or travel stuff, like Instagram might be like the platform where you start to build your community and convert off that if you are a long form like education writer that like really like analyzing case studies with schools right this is like my thing <laughs> like i would build like you know like a Substack newsletter where like i pick schools and like i do case studies on them and somehow build a community around that but so yeah we don't you like you don't need to try like everything at once but one figure out what your niche is because i promise you with like the eight billion people in the world there are people that are super interested in the same thing that you're interested in and if you're the one producing the content and creating the community around it, they will come to you. And I think, yeah, also like, I don't know, there's so many different quote unquote rules for how often you need to post on different channels. And I think uh, a fun challenge that you could do for yourself is like Parth was saying, find out what you're interested in, kind of find out the the like platforms that you would actually want to be on. Also taking into consideration like your audience, do they even use that platform? But then also like set yourself, maybe do a month where every week you focus on two platforms and you post at like what your desired cadence would be. If you're like, if in a perfect world, if I were to do this, I would want to post once a day on Instagram and do that for a week because you're going to very quickly see. And also you've set like this end date. So if you stop doing it, it's not like you just fell off the bandwagon. You're like, this was a start date and end date. I posted every day on Instagram. I really did not like doing that. So I'm going to reassess and move over to Substack or I'm going to do more writing versus taking photos. But yeah, give yourself some wiggle room to just kind of try out different platforms because you might even find there's some that you would not even considered that you're like, oh, people are really liking this. You know, people like me creating videos or I don't know, on Clubhouse or whatever that is for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's one of the beautiful things of social media is that like it is totally a testing ground and nothing is ever truly a failure. It's all about testing, seeing what works, what doesn't work. And yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a an interesting opportunity to just have fun with it. You know, before like you said before you might discover something that you didn't realize you were really good at before, like going live or getting creative and doing a little reel or something like that. Or like you said, doing long form writing with a blog. Overall, there's so many different channels that you can try that you are bound to find something that works for you and feels a little bit more natural. If it's forced, then it's probably a sign that 
you can do something else. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Not going to be sustainable if you don't like <laughs> to. Exactly. That's what, that's the most important thing. It has to light you up. So, okay. The creator economy, an enigma in itself. I would love to know what are some things that you've both been noticing that are some up and coming trends within the creator economy? Um, niches is like, I don't know, like that's like the best way I can explain it. Like I used to, I think when I was in high school and there were the people starting to build up like these big, like Instagram, like brands, like I used to think, okay, that that's a creator, that's an influencer. But lately it's like, as I've matured and like, I've gotten to like in my own, like little niches, like I follow these like education people on Twitter that have like maybe like 5,000 followers, but if they came to me with a product, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably pay up to a thousand dollars, right? Because they're just that unique in their niche, and it, it makes it, it inspires me. It's like as I'm building my education career, right? Like I kind of want to would love to get to that stage where I am like starting to build my audience around like education, and like I don't need to because like yeah, I have such a niche where like I don't. There's no way I'd get to like millions of followers because of how niche it is, but I don't need that. I just need like yeah, those those like small true fans, like hundred true fans, as you were saying. I think. Trends in the creator economy. I'm going to base this off of personal experience looking at our dashboards at Teachable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say from like 2020 was like just this catalyst. It just like rocket, rocket chip? Is it a rocket chip? Rocket chip. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like the amount of people that moved into online education. And you're seeing that reflected not just with creators creating courses and products, but the amount of platforms that are being developed, the amount of funding that is going into like investing in startups that directly speak to the creator economy and people sharing their knowledge and selling products around like them themselves as a personal brand. I think that one of the kind of building off of what Parth said with niches is people getting so clear on what their outcome is that they're providing their audience, not just in the course that they're going to buy from them. But when I go and watch this person's YouTube video, I know that there's some type of outcome. I'm going to get something at the end of it. I'm not just watching it for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. I also think that the quality of courses is increasing dramatically because they have to, whether that is the quality of curriculum that is the quality of video or production. Um, and not that it has to be expensive. If you're listening, you're like, oh, I need to go and get a DSLR camera. No, no, but there's just so many courses that are being produced, which is amazing. But it also means that you can't just have really flashy marketing. You know, you can't just have a really good sales page and get a bunch of people to buy and then not deliver a valuable product because people are now talking publicly about their experiences with courses. And if you don't care about helping your students, you're not going to build a sustainable business and there's going to be other people that are coming in that are like, hey, I got you. I support you guys. And they're actually delivering a valuable product. Oh, yeah. And word of mouth via social media is is a real thing. And that's very important that, like you said, to make sure you're delivering a positive impact and creating a lot of value or else, you know, the reviews and testimonials and experiences that people have is is really, really important. And it's also like, just because I, I know <laughs> people are probably thinking they're like, okay, so now I need to create a bunch of videos in my courses. Okay, I need mm -hmm. to add more stuff or I need to not charge too much because then I don't want people to be mad if they're not happy. Just be very aware of like the the thoughts that pop up when you hear that. But just know that you can get people, 
like even like Parth, when we were talking about a course that we we're working on with someone that you don't need to have a ton of videos. It does not mean that it's more valuable to your audience. It's like, how can you get someone to an outcome in the least amount of steps? Yeah, students will always choose the path of least resistance. So you want to kind of make that path as easy for them as possible. Yes, I love that. So one of the other things that I, you know, I think that's on your your goal list with this product is hopefully creating like a course creator community. And we haven't really seen anything like that yet. So why do you think it's so important for there to be a course creator community? I mean, look, there's so many different elements of running a business, being a creator. One of them is, yes, knowing what to do. Um, the other is having the resources to be able to do it. But I think the part that most people don't really discuss or at least acknowledge is that for the most part, people are working by themselves. You know, you're working in a silo and having a community where you're learning with a group of people, you're going through the same challenges, you have the same questions, you have the same support. It also adds a level of accountability that I think for a lot of people is sometimes the missing piece. But you know, it's just nice to see that there's more people that are doing what you're doing, have the same vision yeah. and, and goals as you. Yeah, my subtle hope in this is that like we get uh, creators who find each other through this community and co-build a course together. Like if we got like two TikTok chefs that were both like building like cooking audiences and they wanted to build a cooking course together. Oh, I'd love to see that. Um, I think there's that a lot would of- That would be so that fun. There. Yeah. So if you're on TikTok and you're a chef, you know, let us yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> get this going. Yeah. So thank you both for sharing that. And that kind of leads me to my to my next question. I would love to talk about just some either personal or team related like short-term goals that you both hope to achieve with Teachable's education product. Yeah. So short-term, we're hoping to help a, cu a couple of creators like launch amazing courses that sell like really well um, in the next couple months. And then I would say like long-term, if that goes well, we really want to kind of build a full service of that, like build a whole like education service that's serving like dozens of creators. We build like a whole like education design team, a like consultancy for any sort of like white glove service there. So if, you, if you're a creator with like a solid audience, but you just don't know how to build a course, we can provide that service for you. And then with the community, it's like, yeah, like if you want to be a creator and we and we want to help you with that like we we want to provide you the resources provide you the community and there's like there's just so much to do there and i'm so excited i think hoping to launch like some beta version of the community in the next couple months and then we'll see where it goes from there but it'll be like primarily focused on like helping people just starting to build their audience right and then right. we can start talking about how do we build courses but there's always like that step one of can we help you build an audience first yeah, no, I, I'm I'm so excited for it. And like with the community, it's it's going to be really great to see because like at the end of the day, even if we scale a team, we're only going to still be able to work with like so many people. There's only like so many people that we can work with at a time. And so one of the things that I think will be really interesting to be able to introduce in this community is to share like the full plan, the, the, the documentation, the, the templates, the things that we're using with other creators. So you can join this community and you can actually use that in your own launches. You can kind of see the learnings that we have, the questions that we pose when we approach a launch, how we, you know, look at risk. What are some of the risks to consider? What are some things to kind of prep for when you go on your launch? And those things will be um, shared on a wider scale too in the community. That is so exciting. And I don't know, I don't know if you saw my little bullet point in the prep guide, but I had one uh, like, what are the next steps for the education product? I don't know if you could speak to that 
now? Like this would this wouldn't launch until October twenty eighth. Um, is there anything that you you guys would feel comfortable sharing right now of like what people can expect next? Of like I don't I mean I don't even know what that would look like. So October twenty eighth, you should be looking out for courses real soon in the next couple of months that will have been developed by our team alongside some creators. Uh, so we're really excited for those courses. And then you should be looking out for the membership that should also launch pretty soon. Amazing. Okay, cool. So Justin Parth, where can our listeners connect with you more or learn more about the education product in general? Yeah. So uh, if you are a, well, first of all, thanks for having us. This has been a lot of fun. Um, of if you are a creator and you are wanting to work with us and our team to build your course from scratch, from zero to just us doing everything for you, or you're a creator and you're wanting to grow a community, build a business, you're starting out and you want to see the behind the scenes of our launches. You want to get the templates and the resources and find out just you know how we are rolling out these launches so you can apply it to your own business. Go to teachable.com slash EDP. That's like uh, E for elephant, D for dog, P for poppy. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and you'll be able to find a, a nice little opt-in there. Perfect. And then what about um, in terms of personal connections, if people wanted to connect with you, maybe on social media or LinkedIn or Twitter, any of that? I need to do a better job of checking LinkedIn. So connect with me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my at is at party underscore Shaw. I wanted at party Shaw, but that's taken by an account that like rarely tweets. And I'm really frustrated. Uh, that's such a <laughs> shame. Um, so I'm at party underscore Shaw. Um, yeah. I, I'm not famous enough yet on Twitter to not respond to DM. So if you DM me on Twitter, I will likely respond. <laughs> I am not really on Twitter. I'm kind of on Twitter, but uh, Instagram is the best place at jessicator, C-A-T-O-R-C. Yeah, this is fun. This is so fun. And this is something that I ask everyone. So do you have any last words of wisdom or inspiration for our listeners today? It's doable. I would say it's like, like if you want to yeah, launch a course and like make that like a sense, like your living, it's like, it's, it's not, it's not all luck, right? It's like, there's a like very tangible and kind of formulaic steps you can take to really build your audience and create a course. And uh, I'm excited that Teachable will be providing those services to you pretty soon. Yeah. And I, I really want to say something to the like kind of you know, embracing your fear, getting over your fear, because I think that is honestly, um, and no matter what size you are, you know, I can tell you like with their audience size, if it's five people to like a million people, everyone has that same fear when they're, you know, when it comes to launching. But I think that like when we talk about fear, it's always focused on like us. So like, what do people think about me? How are people going to perceive my course? Am I going to fail? It's all like inwards. And I think specifically when it comes to launching courses where you're creating this product that is going to have an impact on people, you're providing some type of solution to a genuine problem that they have. If you can shift the lens to the people that you are planning to serve and thinking like, what does this product, like what would this do for someone if they could get to the outcome? If I finally record this video, what could this possibly help someone with? And I think just changing that focus to the people that you're serving, the people that are waiting for you to step in and to like finally create this thing, it hopefully takes the pressure off of you, but it also shows you that, you know, this is so much bigger than just you. This is so much bigger than just you and how you look on, on video. 
That was beautifully said, as always, Jess. And thank you both so much for sharing. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I really couldn't think of a better way to end season three. I really appreciate both of you being here. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. And I can't wait for season four. (laughs) Can't wait. This podcast is produced by Teachable, your go-to platform for course creation. Since 2014, we've helped more than 100,000 creators earn over $1 billion from online courses and coaching products. How do we do it? By managing all the logistics, like coding and payment processing, to make it easier than ever for you to share your knowledge online. To learn more, visit teachable.com.